Uh, right, welcome to the Able to Care podcast. Uh, I can't remember how many episodes we are in, but it's a little bit different this week or this month. Um, so I've got a very special guest with me today. Um, so we're doing a bit more of an interview style kind of form podcast rather than the usual chats that I have. Uh, and joining me today is is a gentleman, Mark Williams. So thank you very much for joining me, Mark. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, doing good. Thank you very much. Doing good. Uh, so a little bit about Mark to get us started. Uh, so Mark is a keynote speaker and author of numerous books uh, and an international campaigner. Um, he founded International Fathers Mental Health Day and the How Are You Dad campaigns. Uh, and Mark does a, a, did a lot of speaking on television and radio stations around the world uh, and co-authors on articles around fathers' mental health. Uh, that's your definite passion, isn't it, around that, that area and, and perinatal uh, mental health and things like that. Um, he actually got named uh, British British Citizen Award uh, he got for this year, 2023. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Um, but the reason we've got Mark on today is because we're going to be talking about uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So uh, Mark actually got diagnosed with ADHD in uh, 2013 at the age of 40, which is quite late for a, for a diagnosis for most. I'm sure you've lived with it all your life and, yeah. and never quite, yeah. quite, <laughs> yeah. quite knew what was going on there. Um, and uh, so he's here to talk about that. He's a research champion with the Cardiff University for ADHD. So I believe you do a lot of work with them around kind of webinars and, and greater understanding around that as well. So so thank thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'll better introduce myself as well. Obviously, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the podcast before, uh, my name is Andy Baker. I'm the uh, lead trainer and manager director of Able Training Support Limited, um, author as well. So get one again there as it will come in yeah. this year. Um, and, and I teach around subjects uh, like ADHD and things like that. And Mark and I met um, a few years ago now. It's, it's not yeah, yeah, few years ago, yeah, yeah. around kind of doing training uh, around that particular subject. So, uh, so it's great to have you on, Mark. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. It's great. And uh, so I, I sent over some questions to Mark to kind of um, uh, sort of go through a few bits and pieces, but. Um, so obviously for many people out there who may be watching or listening to this, uh, obviously ADHD is, is one of the most commonly made diagnoses around children, particularly around behavioral challenges or emotional difficulties and stuff. I think it's commonly most, most diagnosed neurodiverse condition, um, out there. I think there's still an awful lot of stigma around, um, ADHD and huge misunderstandings about it, particularly, um, and and you still do hear the used to call it naughty kids back in my day, <laughs> and and I think there is some a lot of crossover with other neurodivergent conditions and and um, uh, other other mental health issues as well that that sometimes kind of all blend together a little bit with with the ADHD as well, don't they? So I think we'll just go through the few questions that I kind of asked you, Mark, and we'll sort of see see where it goes if that's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fab. It's great. Okay, so would you want to start off, obviously, late in life as far as 40 years old and, and getting a diagnosis? Um, but I'm assuming, well, as you, as you said there, baby, this is something you've lived on, lived with throughout your life, but never got picked up on before. So tell me about the journey that you went through to get your diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. obviously, it starts in school. Obviously, in school, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, I was never cheeky to teachers or nasty to people but um you know i just couldn't concentrate in the classroom you know i was very much um uh distracted i wasn't interested in uh, the subjects being taught unfortunately you know and uh so you know in school uh, obviously in the 80s uh 
you do tend to you'd have a punish a different punishment back then, you know. Um, yeah. And um it was like that, you know, you're in this situation where you want to get out of that situation is overwhelming. So I would actually uh, play up to get out of the classroom environment that would and obviously have yeah. that thing. So but so like you said, I've had it all my life without knowing. But talking about the diagnosis, actually diagnosis, it was actually um my wife went through a traumatic birth, which I witnessed, and uh, my wife had severe post-depression. Uh, we know it's more PTSD at the birth of the time. Mm-hmm. And from our moment, really, you know, I, I was managing my ADHD as best I could. But the lack of sleep, looking after her, what I witnessed, uh, what I went through as a new father as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I still struggled on, struggled on. And it wasn't until I had a breakdown years later that um, I was actually um, posted to, you know, community mental health teams in Wales, you know. So, and then that's where the diagnosis later come on then. Right. Okay. So it was uh, so mental health issues kind of triggered this this look investigating a little bit more into what what the difference was and stuff like that. So how come it went down the route of ADHD then, rather than just looking at kind of the the depression and anxiety angle? Yeah, I was lucky. I had a really good psychiatrist, uh, Doctor Davis, and uh, he was absolutely incredible. He was, you know, he he was he was actually looking at me uh, before I went into the. Uh, into the um in, you know interview or whatever you want to call it and uh yeah my wife my wife was there michelle and uh you know she was sitting down i was looking everywhere and then when i sat down he said look it's a two and a half hour session we're going to talk back from when childhood right up to the present time yeah and um you know i told my wife stuff that the night before that made, made not a told her in our marriage and and also uh when we got together, you know and what happened in my childhood and different things so i was very honest from start i, I wanted to get out because I would like I said, I, you know, I was, um, I knew it was something more than just the anxiety and depression, which I was diagnosed with uh, later yeah. on. Yeah. Now, I've had obviously anxiety as a child growing up and different things for school and different things, but not depression and severe depression like I had and right. thoughts of suicide and, you know, and um, never made a plan to see my life after having been a new dad, I should say, as well. So it mm. really escalated from that point then. Right. Okay. So um, do you know whether, which of the, forms of ADHD that you have? Because some people may not be aware that ADHD obviously has a few different varieties to it. So uh, one of the late, one form of the labels is hit, pit, and then mixed. I don't know whether you know those terms. Yeah. You know? um, so just to explain that to people watching, so you've got predominantly inattentive type. So individuals who struggle to focus, pay attention, easily distracted, uh, may flip between different things, okay? And then you've got the HIT, which is hyperactive, uh, impulsive type, which is the individuals who can't necessarily um, inhibit themselves from what they think is what they do, that that kind of idea, and then they act on it a little bit and may struggle to settle or sit still or even struggle with sleep patterns and things like that around that. And then you've got the mixed diagnosis, which is a combination of both. So do you know which which of those it is? Uh, I, I know it's a mixture of both, but I was actually diagnosed um well but it's like i just i actually after when i got diagnosed um because i'll tell you a little bit how i wasn't diagnosed later on and etc but i was actually uh at an asd nurse as well um and she was actually incredible she knew all about the ADHD. it's psychiatrist had uh you know good understanding but uh uh pam was absolutely amazing um right but i have yeah so i would say a mixture of both but i was just diagnosed with adhd Right, so well. it's just a blanket, blanket diagnosis. Blanket diagnosis, you know, yeah. Enough of the both attributes in there to kind of know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, my, everything you just said, 
yeah, I understand. It, I don't, yeah. I've just labelled you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as far as the, um, well, if we look at the, the two sides of them then, so we'll, we'll kind of take them separately because I think obviously there will be people out there who may have a child. Um, obviously, I think predominantly gets tend to, uh, ADHD diagnosis tends to be more common in boys than girls, but there seems to be some evidence that boys tend to experience the hit type more and girls may be more the pit type more. So for girls, it may be slightly that higher level of, um, or they may struggle with the inattentiveness, but you don't get the same levels of hyperactivity and impulsivity that are often associated with, and I'll put it in inverted commas, naughty behavior. Yeah. Um, whereas you get the the lads who tend to be that hyperactive impulsive, and they're the ones that then, hey, I can climb that tree and they're up it before they've even thought about it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that is in, <laughs> that exactly me yeah, as a kid, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and still, no it's still now, is it? Yeah, yeah. still up trees regularly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so, I'm at that stage now. It looks too scary for me. And, <laughs> so, um, aspects of wise inattentiveness wise, kind of what do you find on a day to day basis? What do you struggle with, and and things around just the the kind of the um, the pit side, so the, the predominantly inattentive side of things. Yeah, it's like I said, you know, uh, like way of learning is different i've learned uh how to contain that information that makes sense yeah. um like you said um sometimes i could be easily distracted as mentioned you know i could uh be doing something and you know sorry uh all of a sudden over here sort of thing you <laughs> know um i i think what i've learned um what's worth it is is even like for instance with dyslexia and talk about later on you know how i somebody might say a question to me i can't interpret the question but i know the answer Mm. Uh, so that's more the other things um with attention you know i could be, have loads of different projects made you know in and um if it doesn't stimulate me obviously sometimes you know i can get bored and you know cut and do something else um so yeah i don't think i asked you a question right now it's, it's a case of like um how would you take you know I, I i need that stimulation stimulation all the time like you know it's like uh i suppose like a dog you know check me check me a ball you know i need it you know some sort, sort of a excitement out of it as well but yeah, I can, you know, I can do. Um, once I once I do interest, and I do like the focus, I can really focus into that that subject. And the benefits, and that's something that be the benefits ADHD that when you do like focus and and you're really passionate with something, you can actually uh, look at things out of the box that other people may not see as well. You know, sort of thing. Yeah, well. I think that, I think there's a. I personally kind of feel that ADHD is misnamed slightly because. I don't think it is an attention deficit. It's an attention dysregulation. Yeah. So I think that's a better description because as you just mentioned there, you've got that kind of hyper focus on certain things in your life that when you find something interesting, it's probably to, to a certain all consuming. There's a case of you can't stop thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, it's on your mind all the time. You know, you're like to the point where, you know, that can cause sleep deprivation as well. You know, you just, it's just niggling at the mind all the time. You just can't get, you know. So yeah. you're like, yeah. Overtalk is number one. Sorry, Andy, as well. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> when you're passionate right, yeah, yeah. as well, you know. Fairly confident to be able to manage him. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just shut you down every now and again. We'll be, we'll be fine. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's that, that single mindedness, isn't it? So it's, it's not that you can't focus on things. Is you maybe can't choose what you pay attention to. So, but if something fulfills that natural dopamine requirement because it's something that's fun or interesting to you then that that's it um so just to, just to go into a little bit of the the kind of the the theoretical side of it for people kind of watching so 
there's a difference in the in the ADHD brain uh, and the certain neurochemicals and neurotransmitters that are produced, one of them being dopamine and one of them being noradrenaline. And noradrenaline is the one that predominantly allows us to kind of focus and dopamine is that novelty seeking, the pleasure receptor kind of thing. Uh, and there's differences in the way that dopamine is released. So it means things like delaying gratification become really hard. Um, not impossible, but you have to work a little bit harder for it. And obviously, uh, correct me if I'm if I'm saying anything that's that's not true for you. Um, whereas some people might be able to, let's say, I can do this maths homework because I know that I get to do something fun at the end of it. So I can kind of focus on the pleasure I'm going to get and go through the displeasure I'm doing at the moment to delay gratification. Whereas and that delayed kind of ability to kind of know the dopamine's coming, I'm going to get something nice in a bit, it means you can do something that's not enjoyable to then know that you're going to be able to do something enjoyable afterwards. And I think the kind of the, the perception I get from the ADHD is, why would I do something if I feel no positive towards it? I can't focus on this right now because I'm not getting that dopamine receptor, you know, the dopamine release for the thing I might get in the future. Until I do that thing that's fun, until I do the thing that's novel, I'm not going to get that dopamine. So that why would I go through something that I only see the pain rather than any potential pleasure? Is is does that kind of yeah yeah you're right. And when you look at some of the research, obviously there can be a lack of efficiency in dopamine with some people with ADHD as well. Yeah, and I look at you know my childhood as well. Like for instance, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, I sport was a big thing for me. So you know, I I'd train in sometimes. You know, I I'd, I'd go for the training. I I get some training sessions I would get bored at, you know, and um and my coach used to work around that, uh, around me, you know, what I enjoyed. And and then I knew at the at the end of the day I I'd play on a Saturday if I worked hard. Mm. And that's where I get that buzz, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or whatever sport I was in, like for instance, as yeah. well. So and and that goes with the you know, writing the book, whatever, you know, the tedious bits, things like I I, I struggle with and then I get somebody to help me, the doctor I work with and and then the exciting part, yeah, we, we publish it. So I know it's an end product to all the, all the pain and suffering sometimes uh, that comes with it. Yeah, and that's it. But you find those little strategies to kind of overcome, you know, that you, you can hold on to that. And then that's probably maturity that kind of helps with that a little bit. Obviously, we're all a little bit more impulsive or a little bit more inattentive when we're younger. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as yeah. we get older, we, we develop those strategies and kind of workarounds. It's quite interesting you mentioned as far as um. So you, were you diagnosed with dyslexia when you were a child then? No, no. I went to speech therapy. Right. I had problems with my speech, and to think I'm a public speaker now is it's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I used to talk very fast, you know, and mumbling, mumbling. Um, and you know, this so dyslexia, like I said, it was only coming later on, really. But I, I my spelling, you know, like I said, I thought, I'd be honest, years ago, it was like words popping out, which that wasn't the case for me, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, I'd read a book for two. I didn't read my proper book, first book until I was 22. Mm. And that was uh, Chicken Soup for Soul. And oh, I was yeah. In, yeah, super, um, I was in sales and marketing then. Motivational books, which I really grasped me. Yeah. And um, so I, I just read that. I was so fascinated by it. And then, so going back in school, for instance, yeah, you know, Pete and Jane books, those books, you know, picture books. But I, I was picked up reading classes. I went to uh, special classes, as they were called then. Yeah. And um, yeah, but no diagnosis of uh, dyslexia in the eighties, nothing at all. So, really? okay, uh, yeah, but they obviously yeah, later on. you mentioned it in there, and I didn't know whether that had been um, the, the the challenges you'd had at school and stuff that you found out it had been labelled with probably the only label they had at that particular time. Yeah, right, yeah, whether that's the case because 
There, yeah. there isn't many other neurodiverse conditions that were kind of uh, recognized or understood back then. So it's a case of if you got dyslexia, you were lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think in the 80s, especially in the UK, it was only, uh, I think it was somebody said it was like 40 children actually diagnosed in the 80s with ADHD. So it's very new coming in uh, yeah. in the 80s, et cetera. So, um, yeah, obviously when I got the diagnosis and, and the, uh, dyslexia, as you mentioned earlier on, it is interlinked with other things, you know. Mm. Um, I'm doing it now because I'm thinking about it. Sometimes I'll have a, a tick in my nose. Uh, uh, I used to stretch my neck, blinks in school. and Yeah, you know, Tourette's and ADHD have quite a strong correlator to them, don't they, as far as the... Uh, and, uh, and again, Tourette's is one of those massively misunderstood conditions that obviously most people think it's all the kind of the swearing and yeah. the, the inappropriate language, but it is predominantly it's the, the tics. That, and uh, I think there's a real strong correlation between the ADHD and, and the tics that you get. Yeah, 100%. So um, as far as the, the ADHD, as far as the inattentive side... I think it's quite, as you mentioned there, it's quite worthwhile kind of thinking. You've written three books, so you can't say, well, he struggles to pay attention. Uh, and they say, yeah, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, and you find kind of methods around it. But I think I, part of one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on as far as a podcast is concerned, I think there's many parents out there that, that you know, their children may get a diagnosis of ADHD. And, and obviously, with all your attributes and things like that, you've you've done very well for yourself. And I think that's uh, it's worthwhile kind of looking at the benefits <laughs> of it. That, and I I know I have certain traits. I think everything's a spectrum, and therefore you know I I do similar things. I flit. I've had comments before where people go, "No, oh, you don't seem to pay attention. You're constantly flitting between different stuff." But then there's things I'm interested in that I've got way further than most people have. So I was kind of referred yeah. to, yeah, I flit around a little bit, but I've got four black belts in four different martial arts and to be able to get a black belt in a martial art takes persistence and continuous dedication and perseverance and effort so i don't flip that much yeah 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 <laughs> but, yeah you know what i mean but that that martial arts is just something that interests me and and the same with my company and the training and stuff i think when i found stuff that really interesting so there is an aspect that everybody finds it easier to to pay attention to things they find fun and and harder to pay thing, attention to things they don't i think it's the the extremeness of that, that that maybe separates ADHD from from other conditions, hundred percent. There's a wonderful analogy, and I'd be interested to kind of hear your. Uh, we might have shared it before, actually, but I really like it as a way of helping to understand maybe the inattentiveness, which is the uh, bingo machine analogy. Do you do you know that oh, one? No, no. Okay. So the way I put it across to people is is um, the ADHD brain is like a bingo machine that all the balls are in there. Um, you just can't choose when a ball comes out. So you can be watching yeah. it and that, you know, C23 and it's on your list and go, come on, 23. But no matter what, you can't force it to come out. So all the ideas, all the thoughts are in there. It's not uh, anything to do with a lack of intelligence. It's not really a, a, an inability with memory as such. It's this ability to recall almost. It's an ability to pay attention to what you need to in the moment. So I use it like... Um, all of us have walked into a room and forgotten why we walked in there before. Okay, so yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah, done yeah. it. The, the, no diagnosis necessary where you walk in. And some people, it's like the, um, I think there was a comedian who did a joke that a lot of us will walk around looking for scissors, doing this movement, trying to remember what we're looking for, trying to go, why is it? What are we looking for? Um, as reminders. And so most of us walk in a room, we go, what did I come in here for? And then you kind of, you keep with an internal narrative going, I came in here for something. What was I looking for? What was I doing? And you're kind of talking to yourself all the way through the process. 
of kind of going, oh, well, I need the loo. That's not why I came up here, but I'll go to the door. I'll come back. And you're looking for clues. Then halfway down the stairs, the bingo ball then returns. Yes. And you then go back up and grab whatever it was wanted. And I think one of the the theories that came out around ADHD, and it'd be interesting uh, to see if this is your experience, is that they, individuals with ADHD don't seem to have the same internal narrative. They don't necessarily think in, in words in the same way that others. And they, there was an experiment that kind of did this. It, how does that sound to you? Does that sound... Yeah, yeah. It, like you said, you know, like sometimes, um, you know, something will pop in my head. I, I forgetfulness is a, a thing, you know. Um, I'll give an example. My wife would say to me, Mark, go, go down and get a pint of milk. I'll come back with everything bar the milk. I talked for <laughs> two hours to somebody down there. Some time's gone out the window. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot the milk. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it, it's just like the intention's there to get the milk, obviously. But yeah, you know, but sometimes I could be doing something and um, yeah, it, a, a thought will come in my head and then it just we trigger that, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. That what I should be doing, like for instance. And I think a behavior like that, as an adult, it's one of those things that's just kind of accepted and oh, Mark's a bit forgetful and yeah. stuff. But you can quite easily understand why for some parents that may be perceived as, from a child, a disobedient or a naughty behaviour. Because in the case of I sent you for one thing and you've ended up not doing that one thing I sent you for, you've done loads of other stuff and then you're two hours later than you should have been. And and that's the difference, isn't it? That the, the kind of the expectations of the parent make a difference of whether that's a good or a bad behavior. Nothing to do whether it's understanding, well, that's the way their brain works. They don't do it purposefully and, and yeah. stuff like that. So um, I, I always use an example like, you know, go and put your shoes and socks on. How many tasks have just given a person? And most people say two, but I then start to break it down to them into individual brain functions. And you're looking at over 100 billion individual kind of things like abstract thinking, planning, judgment, making connections between what's the weather like and what am I wearing to what shoes and what socks I want and memory of where the items are in the household, but also the order. You said shoes and socks, and that's the order I'm going to go and do it in rather than socks and shoes. So then you've got a, a kid who's got one sock on and they're now doing something else because that bingo ball was holding on yeah. to it and suddenly it's gone. And they're now getting told off because I told you to do one thing. And it's, it's like, no, you didn't. You told them to over 100 billion and they've managed about 25,000 of those. They've done pretty well. And and I think that's quite important to get people to to shift those expectations. Maybe if you've just gone, right, go and grab your socks out of the drawer, step one. Don't worry about all the rest and then go, right, let's put those socks on now fantastic let's get your shoes ready and and break it down into small manageable chunks is that is that something you kind of use yeah, yourself yeah exactly so yeah you're right and I, I think i break the goal now you know I, I use like i got strategies obviously I, I put on pen and paper what i gotta do for the day um it doesn't work too well all the time like an invoice I, people think oh that's easy an invoice you just send a work and it's so tedious and i'm just okay i I'm just got to do that invoice and, and shut everything off. You know, it takes, it took me today about, I don't know, about five minutes just to copy yeah. paste something. But to me, yeah. that, that's been forgotten about build up or I'll do that again sort of thing. Yeah. But going back, we just said as well, you know, um, like I could be walking around the room and then, um, you know, putting clothes away. You know, I can, you know, I'll just put them on a the pile and then I'll, my attention to put the clothes away but I'm uh, distracting down there. And my wife, Michelle, would say, oh, you want to put the clothes away? Okay. <laughs> God, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I started. I started. Yeah, I started. I started <laughs> it. But 
the effort that sometimes but I know it sounds really you know to put the clothes away I'd rather do the bigger things other things than yeah. actually put the clothes in the drawer because I'm I know I'm going to be there for like 10 minutes or whatever yeah and, you know and put them in different drawers and different things um yeah it's, it's it's really yeah it's overwhelming sometimes just thinking about it sometimes you know whether yeah. it's people say to me Mark you can do all this but you know Michelle was saying you can do all you can do it you can do all people what people can't do like get on the stage or or do all the other things I've done and talk to people or different things like that but you can't put the clothes away you know so I think so there's a lot of benefits to ADHD what I know now massively as well but it is still it's still a struggle obviously days you know I'm not gonna lie to you Andy you know there's days where I just so overwhelmed I'm just gonna you know shut the door can't talk to anyone and, and that's when uh, I'm okay with that as well I've learned yeah. I'm okay and I don't know uh, to limit those those um, work or whatever that is as well. Really. Yeah. So, so is it a case of um, depending on uh, whether it be tiredness or um, whether it be illness or anything like that? Do you kind of adjust almost a kind of a, a priority list in your head of of kind of these are the things that I have to get done. These are the things that aren't so important. So I'm going to switch all of that off for now because I know that my threshold is lower. Do you have kind of a way that you? monitor your threshold and and then how you kind of enact or act out based on that is if that makes yeah, sense no, definitely uh like i said I, I structure is a big factor for me i need structure so um you know i'm just taking this job now um not because obviously the money side of it all is i love what i do i love it uh get up in the morning go to work uh, uh get home whereas when i'm in the house all day the boredom really starts creeping in mm. I, I get really restless now so uh, what am i gonna do it's like, um, and you mentioned about kickboxing, obviously, when I, you know, I, when I was do, uh, obviously doing sports, I, the energy would go into that. And then I, you know, um, but I think when work-wise, especially working home sometimes, I'm just walking around and I'm a day, like, you feel a waste of the day sometimes, you know, you feel like, oh, I should have done that. I didn't do as much as I should. Mm-hmm. You're overthinking a lot of things. And, and I, I was going to show you somewhere. I got a book here, you know, I, I always keep the old diaries here, you know, um, like, old diaries. I need a book, you know. I need like um, a yeah. strategy as well, you know. So I really thought that even things that um, you know trigger small things that um, I you know because I used to, you know, my mood would change and I I get to the top, I'm really excited, and then that comes down then obviously, and then uh, so yeah, it, it's it's something that I'm still learning, you know. I'm always learning different things as well all hmm. the time. But I, I certainly know now about um, like time anxiety. We don't talk about, you know, you know. I have to be on time. Got to be there. And Michelle is always late, so that can cause conflict, <laughs> you know, as well. And you know, but time anxiety is, is something we don't talk about, and, and something I have, you know, it's something whether that relates to whatever in school or I'm not sure. But I have to be on time. I have to yeah. be there. Got to be there. Can't you know? So yeah, it's things that um, I would just put it probably. Um, uh, see, that's the thing. My mind's racing over here. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can <laughs> so, hear it. And I, and I go off on tangent, you know. Sometimes I might be talking with you about something. I might be talking about pizza later, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bingo, bingo, yeah, balls bingo, bingo now. Yeah, so it's not, you know, it's a, trying to get a structure of talk and different things. Sometimes, you know, yeah. yeah so. there's, a, there's, um, I, I love analogies and stuff, and it's kind of how I retain and and remember a lot of information. And there's another one that this was, this was. Uh, uh, most of the analogies that I've got that I think work really well are from people with ADHD, and it's um, 
Uh, w- one was that most of us are kind of driving around, uh, driving around town in a station wagon, and we, you know, we see a sign and we slow down and we start making the turn signals and we turn into it. But when you have ADHD, unfortunately, you're driving in that same town centre, but in an F1 motor car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and therefore, yeah. it's case of, oh, there's a turning, but it's like five foot behind you, and <laughs> it's kind of gone to that point. So it's yeah. kind of the the brain is working quicker than the actions and stuff like that can do. Is it? Is that you know, kind of feel yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. My mind's racing all the time, and you know, my, I, that's why the reason I took this job because I've been mean, from home day. I like to talk to people, and Michelle is like, oh, "I got to tell you, this, I got to tell you that," and you know, I'm really yeah, yeah. excitable in the mornings. You know, I'm really hyperactive. I, and my mind does get tired as the day goes on, and I was little sleep. Yeah, and then yeah, I'm back up again, and uh, and that's something you know, or lazy can't get you know, or it come across sometimes. Uh, not lazy, but um, but it's just my mind's race. I need that just break, mm. and then uh, and that works as well. You know, but like, um, I I think I think you mentioned something about um, obviously I'll tell you a bit about my childhood. Obviously, I had a wonderful family, slab. everything's great. Um, you know, as you said, our parents and all you know, parents. Uh, big stigma around oh it must be the parents that sort of thing but my parents yeah. are absolutely amazing and i think i think what i one thing i've learned obviously the education system as you know you know sometimes it's not geared up um you know for people with neurodiversity and um, i don't blame the teachers at all but you know but you know uh imposter syndrome can kick in there that, you know especially the work i'm doing now where yeah. if you've got a teacher saying you're not going to do nothing in your life and you know you know and uh, you never get a job you know, and I question that because I had a job and I just become a bit of champion. Like, you know, and you tell me I would never do anything in my life. So those, I think those benefits really have really give me the fire as well, you know, to inspire other people to say, look, you know, if you have got ADHD or, you know, it's benefits, you you, you do fit in somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially in the education system, you know, as well, it's, it's a case of like, I think it'll be a better understanding as time goes on as well. Yeah. I think, um, but, you know, sometimes you, is finding out what you're interested in. Very yeah. person said the approach, and that that's the way forward, really. As well, hundred percent. Yeah, I think there's another aspect as well eh, that uh, I've been doing a lot of teaching, and we just did uh, last month. We did our podcasts on sensory processing disorder, and and there is some crossovers. Many individuals with ADHD also experience some sensory processing issues. But one of the things that uh, I talk about when I'm teaching around that is we aren't really we're not evolved to live indoors as much as we do. Um, in so much as you know, sitting for long periods of time in a chair, which requires actually more balance work than than walking around does, um, you know, with artificial lights and and uh, overstimulating environments because it's not everything at a distance, everything's kind of close in and and uh, the the noise bouncing off the wall, so it's it's quite overstimulating. And I think there is an element to that, isn't there, with with the kind of novelty seeking that once upon a time, I think a kid who had you know, slightly hyperactive and impulsive kind of tendencies would have been running around in the in the street playground, wherever it was, burning off all that that yeah. kind of adrenaline and energy and stuff. But I think there's such an infringement of, of and a fear of of children getting hurt, for instance. Obviously, I'd never want children to get hurt. Um, but I think that kind of that limitations on being able to just get rid of some of that energy and that 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 uh, that impulsivity a little bit. There was um, an interesting article I read years ago. I read this article, so I wouldn't be able to cite it or remember it, but it was a New Zealand school that um, decided they weren't going to cordon off this 
construction area where they were having an extension built on the school or something like that. And they, they thought usually they'd coordinate all off, but they didn't. And they, they didn't inhibit the children from kind of running around in it and playing in it and, and you know, playing in the sand and climbing over things and stuff. And obviously health and safety would kind of go, no, risk averse. But actually they found when they did this that the number of accidents went down because the children were starting to learn to risk assess themselves very quickly and watch out for each other and stuff like that. But the big thing was they found that the productivity improved and attention improved because suddenly they were getting the novelty seeking in that period of time where they were kind of engaging in the outdoor world and they were getting to burn off some adrenaline and there was less limitations. So then they felt freer and, and a little bit more like getting in sync with themselves, if that makes sense, to kind of do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I just come up with Denmark a couple of weeks ago, doing doing something out there, uh, talking and uh, and scanning uh, Sweden, and uh, I was like, how are they teaching out there, and the kids are free, and and um, it re- the other early years, that early years stuff, you know, they, what they do out there. I was just open. I was like, gosh, you know, we got fences, we got all sorts of things in this country, and, and you know, and it was really open, like you know, sort of thing. So yeah, I can relate to that. Um, it's all about that. It's, like, it's a good, really good. It's probably the most talked uh, build, I should say, TEDx talk called Sir Ken Robertson. He was a school educator, right? And he, he talks about uh, maybe the, about the creativity that schools should apply to uh, school as well. Yeah, and it explains about um, uh, a lady who was um, wasn't diagnosed ADHD back then, but she was labelled as you know destructive and all that stuff, and she went on to produce cats and all whatever for. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's a Ken Robertson TEDx talk. It's the most viewed TEDx talk, and uh, he's a school educator. Mm. Passed away now, unfortunately, but um, he explains about we we need uh, creativity and in, in schools as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's um, I've read quite a lot of work. Um, I can't remember the author, but I read the kind of the uh, growth mindset as well, where it's not you. You never praise the outcome or the or the child you only ever praise the process so yeah. is it, you know even if they draw a butterfly and it and it looks rubbish you find the one bit where they maybe thought outside the box maybe they drew the wings extra large or something like that and rather than going oh, it doesn't look like a real butterfly you're going i love how you managed to extenuate the wings there and make them so big and bright and bold because that that leads into that creativity thing that you mentioned there, that it may be a thinking outside the boxing. It may be, well, why would I want to draw a boring old butterfly? I want to draw this something a little bit more yeah, yeah, more extravagant. Yeah. And suddenly that's building their self-esteem because they've succeeded rather than failed. But it also allows them to kind of, well, I work to my strength. I lead into my my abilities, which is to think outside the box or do something novel or do something different. And I think I think that's the thing that, that would benefit as well. But um that's that's getting on the soapboxes are the education system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. And like you said, you know, I well, um, I I I don't blame anyone. You know, it was it is what it was. But then you know, I look at the post traumatic growth now. You know, everything I've gone through, I won't be doing what I've gone through in uh, you know everything. You know, yeah, so yeah. things like so. Um, yeah, I, I, everything I've done, my work is related to my experiences as well. Now, yeah, you know, with this ADHD learning. You know, I'm actually doing my teaching now. Uh, level, I'm doing my level four teaching or education and thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a couple of things. I'm going co- more coaching eventually yeah. and different things. So, so everything. If if I haven't gone through all the things I did in my life, I won't be where I, you know, doing what I love doing today. Love, and I think I think that's something to be aware of as well. Is 
is um uh you know I'm, I'm more better when i'm self-employed from honest you if i'm more like free to do i mean more creative as well sometimes yeah. it, it, i love my job but sometimes environments i'm negativity i can pick up i'm very hypersensitive on certain things as well mm. you know uh, so i can pick up on people's feelings sometimes that so which can make good counselors I, i've been told as well yeah yeah so yeah. you know so these things i didn't realize until, until i started looking into it more like you know mm. well, yeah i want to chat to you about one of the things you you kind of mentioned in there so you said structure is very important to you um and obviously that's, that's something i i promote when i'm teaching about adhd and stuff that although uh, many kids with ADHD always find it difficult to necessarily keep to a structure. They they really value and benefit from them. Um, it, what do you think it is? Do you know why you find structure kind of easier to manage? Uh, yeah, I just think that um, it's it's like it's uh, white space or whatever you want to call it. It's just space, and I just okay, what am I going to do today? Whereas, like if I like I get up, um, gym. Gym equals healthier foods. I eat right. better. I work. I do my work, and then I got. Um, it's like I block it off. Like for instance, I, it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Rather yeah. than you know, so I, in my mind, it's like okay, go gym, eat healthy, walk, whatever, mm. uh, mindfulness, whatever that is, and then I call it a bubble. I don't know if anyone uh, uses the the actual. I I'm not sure. Um, I bubble it up. So mm. basically, I say okay, gym exercise wellness whatever it is that looks like work uh my job whatever that is and then the other bubble would be like my family life uh uh interaction with uh, friends and family also mm. so i probably that rather than just look at oh i'm gonna do this do this do that do that do that do this which is like oh gosh yeah yeah so I, I i use like a, a vision board which works for me as well a vision board right. so I, I, it gets me out my head i write things down get me out my head so you know, things that uh, I've developed from even, even strategies from my sales background years ago when I started, mm. uh, I still use now, you know, when it comes to structured goals set in, it's like a math. And, you know, uh, when I did a math 20 years ago, I, um, you know, I think didn't think it was 26 miles, I think it a mile 26 times sort of thing, you know. So mm. I really break those goals down to achieve it. So, and, and I got like... Uh, monthly goals don't work for everyone, you know, and that's, that's something to be aware of. As uh, with the people ADHD, what works for you might not not work for that person as well. But then, yeah, is, yeah, strategies that's work. But I, I do need structure. When I'm out the structure, I'm I'm all over the place, sort of thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's a little bit kind of it, if you take any typical task, if we take go back to the shoes and socks example, that most people would perceive that as two tasks was actually. Somebody with ADHD suddenly sees that as like, guys, this and this and this and this and this and this. And and I've heard other people uh, with ADHD describe it that that you you feel you've got two tasks. They break it down into almost a thousand. And that's why kind of getting started on a task is sometimes the hardest part because most of us think start at the beginning. But now because you created a thousand, there's a lot of in, and it's not in a kind of a linear fashion. So I always uh, compare it to I should imagine it's. Like when you look in your garage and go, I need to tidy it, and it, but it's such a mess. So you're like, oh, I don't even know where to start, and it's yeah, and yeah, kind of how their brain yeah. feels a yeah. little bit. So I suppose by breaking certain tasks, um, and and if we if we take it around to the basic level, like kind of getting ready for school, that it's then step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. Maybe that that shrinks down the amount of work. So it's like going into the garage and going, okay, well we're just gonna let's just 
get all the stuff off the floor and clear the floor first and get it outside. And then we'll do this and then we'll do this. So you're breaking it down into those kind of micro structures to mean you don't have then a thousand tasks. You're breaking it down into 10 um, yeah. by, by, by chunking it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of it. a similar way you do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, you know, you're right. It's like the socks, you know, to me or whatever it is upstairs. It's like, okay, where's the box? Where's the cl- where we put the socks? Where this? Yeah. You know, I did them over there, sort of thing. And um, yeah, exactly what you just said, actually. It's uh, mind reading me. <laughs> but it, but it, it, it is, good, you know, relationships and all that, you know, for years without getting that diagnosed, you know, Michelle, obviously. Now she understands it. She's learned about herself. Uh, my yeah. wife works in mental health. So she didn't know it uh, like myself back then for ADHD. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it, it, it's, and it makes sense as well. Like, you know, there, there is, a, as you know, you can have a dual diagnosis and all of it. Uh, but it, it is elements when I look at my uncle, my grandfather's, uh, my mother's side. Uh, some of my cousins actually got diagnosed with ADHD now as well. Um, mm-hmm. As well. So, you know, they say it could be genetics and other factors yeah, and, yeah. Um, and stress and, you know, work I'm doing now and different things. But, yeah, so it's other factors. So it, it just all made sense looking back mm. then, you know. And when I when, when people say, like you said, why why, why do you need it? I, I wasn't the point I needed a diagnosis. I, I knew it was like a visitor in me. I knew it was just anxiety. But it was something else that was totally different to my friends, you know. I was the first one to jump in a Tesco trolley or whatever it was. I was the first <laughs> one to, you know, climb up. And, and then, obviously, when I left the, the youth club, which I had a structure, yeah, to go to the youth club in um, 1990. Then I went to work. Uh, but then, obviously, the rave scenes and all that stuff come in. So there was a lot of, obviously, recreation drugs and different things back. Well, it still is now. But, you know, I went down a totally different path, a massive, totally different path, you know, then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's it's... All these things when when I had the diagnosis, when I had a good ASD nurse, they were saying it's very, it's very, you know, it's high risk. You are high risk, and even high yeah. risk of suicide. Yeah. And other factors as well. So it's it's really important to get a diagnosis. I feel. Yeah. Uh, you, you go through this stage as well, um, where you feel angry at first, and then you feel oh relief, and uh, and then okay, because I was like. Well, okay, why, why wasn't it picked up? What would my life be better? And then you go for this other stage, and oh, I'm so glad I got a diagnosis. People understand me better. Yeah. Well, people who are related. Looking back after that time period, you know, gosh, I'm not embarrassed or uh, ashamed, you know, and, and I, I think it, if it wasn't for what I, I did, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, you know, like I said, I, mean, I traveled the world, I've just given up my job. I think jobs, <laughs> Uh, was another factor. I was changing jobs constantly, especially in sales. I had a f- freedom. You know, I get to what I want to do, uh, and then I change my job. And people say, oh, "Always change your job." Well, you know, boredom. Um, and then I'd give up my job and go traveling. And people say, "Oh, well, you give up a good job and go traveling?" So, yeah, but I couldn't. Why would I want to be in a job I don't like? And then I, I want to go traveling. You know, why? You know, people say to me, uh, "You know what?" Why you give up? You got a job for life, yeah? and I might add, well, I don't want to stay here for life. You know, mm. I want to go to China. That's the exciting part. I don't want, you know, that's sort of thing. So it's like black and white to me, if I want to say. And it's like, well, hang on, I don't want to do that. But you know, so 
it all made sense in the end. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's the kind of the impulsivity side of things, isn't it? That novelty-seeking aspect that, yeah, yeah well, I, what, I want to do something different. I want I want some new buzz. Um, yeah. What about the hyperactivity side of things? Obviously, you said there that you, you mentioned sometimes your brain kicks in when it's when it's bedtime. Um, I, I get that 100%. Uh, I've, I've been there as well. Um, that, that's the point. It's always worse. The brain kicks in at night. <laughs> Not enough distractions. Um, but, but is there other areas uh, around hyperactivity that you you've found for yourself? Is it, do you always have to be on the move, or and uh, I, do you know I've been there since lockdown? To be honest, Andy, yeah, I, I never seen a, a box set until I, I uh, lockdown happened. Because, <laughs> uh, I, I'll be honest, you, like Sim, whenever they went face to face, as you know, training went and different things. Uh, I, I had all this time, I just, and I really struggled, so I had to go back to my psychiatrist. Uh, different psychiatrists and about the meds and different things. Um, I I was really struggled because it's like I had a structure. I was I was off. I was everywhere. Yeah, I then I said no no structure at that point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I even just stopped in it, and I was in the house for, you know, what I mean, and I did struggle at first, like a lot of people did, you know. Then I I was starting to put out different strategies, like painting. I you know do different things. I hadn't done before chess. Chess is absolutely. I love chess. Uh, I, 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 and I think with chess or board games, it's it's a it's a good strategy for people with ADHD because with Monopoly, when we play Monopoly, I say, oh, "Come on, yeah, my go, my go." <laughs> I mean, like I in my mind. Whereas yeah. chess, you're sitting there and you're thinking the next move. Right. Yeah, so you're always playing the game, so then not waiting, and that's mm. the thing. So stress uh, plays so much chess during lockdown. Massively with my wife, we got you. My wife uh, started as well, so. So I think quizzes different things, but um, I I think sorry, that's another thing. Andy, what was going to say? I've got off the subject again. <laughs> sorry, you said it was the impulsive. Sorry, I remember now. Yeah. So so yeah, they proactively in the morning. Yeah, it's really high as in the morning can be. Mm. Um, and then like you said, as days goes on, you know, I just started finding up half on that now. Then I'm right again, and then I think as time goes on, for me personally, you know. If 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 it's something excitable on TV or something like that, I'm like, oh, I gotta do that. I'm gonna do that, and you know, so it depends on the environment sometimes and, and what I'm yeah. watching or it's as well. But I think you know, I could drink coffee at eleven o'clock. Yeah, you know, uh, five past eleven, I could be sleeping as well. Right. You know, I think sometimes the, tra- the transmitters are different as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, definitely. And, you know, yeah, yeah. W- one last one thing I did want to kind of mention. It was something you referred to. Um, uh, you said that sometimes you reach that threshold where you know, you know, I'm I'm done. I need to switch off a little bit and stuff. Um, and and I don't know what there's a, a spoon analogy which is used usually in for uh, individuals with autism. But I'm thinking that might apply a little bit. That the the analogy goes that all of us get kind of twenty spoonfuls of energy per day, and basically you kind of depending on how many tasks and what's going on, can all use those energies. Um, so, you know, if, even just getting ready for work in the morning, for instance, could be one spoonful. Then uh, dealing with a phone call that, you know, you've got to think about or plan, like this podcast, for instance, it could be then that's two or three spoonfuls because it requires a bit of thought and forethought and organization and stuff. So you can sometimes borrow a spoonful or two from tomorrow or pass them on from the day before and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But you have that threshold that sometimes if you're running out of that energy, if you're doing too much, then you have to kind of, or you, you run into a deficit because you've been using loads of 
additional days spoonfuls you have to have that recharge self-care kind of thing and i think that's a that's a lovely analogy i love that, I love that. Yeah, yeah it's a really nice way of looking at it isn't it this threshold of energy that all of us have and you can borrow bits and you can kind of take bits but you have to refill you have to kind of or cut down a little bit you know if you had to use 25 spoonfuls of energy yesterday then you know right i really only should be doing 15 spoonfuls today because yeah. <laughs> yeah no i love that no it's right and that's something that something i'm thought of good before so that's 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 great yeah, it's another way like, looking at it that. isn't it so you said that you do some kind of what kind of self-care strategies do you have that that work well for you to kind of to re-energize if you follow that analogy yeah so- yeah um i think cbt works for me as well i think yeah. cbt have um um, ever since obviously I've there have been different things, but um when I I overthink things a lot and uh, it might be I could have spoken to ninety nine greatest people I've ever met in life and then there's one person who just said something I I would maybe interpret that maybe the wrong way. I'd overthink about that all um, day and, and that might more change or what 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 I say it was a meal, you know, I started overthinking it. So C B T works for me in different things and I've learned uh, strategies well rather mind read people. As mm-hmm. well, I tend to, unless it's real, you know, I don't see, you know, what the problem is or for me. I even say to people sometimes as well, you know, whereas if, if I've said anything that because I'm a pulsing that of it, just give me a ring, you know, if yeah. I'm upset or anything. Um, so yeah, it's those sorts of things I've got to uh, realize more. I think, I think, um, obviously exercise is a big thing for me as well. Mm-hmm. I can tell if I, I'm not in the gym or if I'm not doing what I should be doing. Yeah, um, it's a big difference for me. Uh, eating healthy as well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all or nothing. I might even not go to gym. I'm eating right, but I, the other things, like I said, um, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I do tend not to. I don't do the body scans. I, I just like, I, I I'm doing photography. You know, uh, shoot photography. So what I realize with with photography, I'm thinking about oh the next picture as I'm walking along. Yeah, or street photography, I should say. So these sort of things I've, I've developed as well. But, um, you know, uh, work-wise, uh, I think, again, I like the scenario with a spoon. I tend to like, okay, I, I'll do this, this, this today. And is it that important? Can it wait? And I'm really honest with people now. I say, look, it's too much for me. Yeah. Or I will come back to you if it's, if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because I used to be, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And all of a sudden, I've got this all this. I hate letting people down, and then yeah. my mood would change, and from thinking like I've let somebody down now, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. So these are the things I've learned that um, I can't do it all. I'm only one person, as mm. well, you know. Yeah, I just say there's there's a number of different conditions that, that works really well for, and there's um, a condition called pathological demand avoidance, which is they have a threshold of how many demands they can cope with um, in a in a in a day. Um, it's an anxiety-based disorder associated with with the autism spectrum disorder, and one of the things that we we do for them is create a kind of a priorities list of a, a number of demands. And like anything could be a demand, like just getting my socks on is a demand. I have to achieve it. There's an expectation for me to do it. So it's a very similar kind of thing. So you you label it with a one to five priority. One being it's not really important at all, and five being an absolute must. And then if if they're struggling a little bit more, and, and this is what a caregiver can do on their behalf and support them with, if they if they know they're tired or they're anxious or they seem to be struggling a little bit more today, you drop all the ones off, 
Like they're not important. Get rid of them. Not important. You might drop the twos off as well if you think they're really struggling. So they've only then got the th priority three, fours, and fives left to do in that day. And I think that's um, a quite a nice way of approaching kind of. Um, I, d I don't know whether that could be a personal strategy as well, but I think that's definitely something that, that kind of. No, I mean, that nice makes sense. There. Definitely. I, I think I think what I've learned over the years, I've just created these um, coping skills, you know. Mm. Um, and I, that's something I used to do, actually, when, you know, if I was in sales, you know, the paperwork was the worst thing, you know, I had to do. So I make sure I get, get somebody else to do the paperwork for me. And that, because that paperwork would be on my mind all day. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to do that. So I get out of the way first. Yeah. And then, okay, everything else is straightforward for me, like, for instance. But I still, it's funny, I, I do that and what I learned, uh, things like I, I, I've had to write a blog for something today. And um, so I wrote there. And I, but I said to him, look, at the end of the blog, you know, proofread it, you know, put it like in. As long as you do it, that's fine, you know, sort of thing. So yeah. when I'd be all, I mean, write the blog and then I spend, oh, I've got to get it right and all that. I just said, look, this is the blog, you know. So you can be, yeah, things like that. I've just, um, I, I think as time's gone on, I'm not so um, critical as he used to. I, I'm okay with everything now. I think I, I'm at that space now. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm happy what I'm doing. This is I'm me. Happy that. Yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah, me. this is me now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, as you know, you know, I, worry, I used to worry about other people and you never see them again. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I think my circle, I got my circle, you know, got my, my son, uh, my wife, I got my family circle. I got my other circle, colleagues and friends. And, 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 um, and you know, these people, I, I I, I obviously I, I'm very cautious and, and and thing, but my two circles are more important is my my wife, my son, and my second circle, my my mother. mother as yeah. uh, I think it's been kept out my mother for me just about then, <laughs> and my father, you know, and, and my best friends, all sort of things. So as long as those two circles are healthy and maintained and focused on, and the other circle, I'm I'm happy, you know, happy like sort of thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't yeah, spend definitely. so much time on the outer circle. Those two circles are the most important to me, like, you know. Yeah, that's, and that's a nicer way of looking at it, actually, isn't it? Yeah, going to focus on what's important and the the attributes of what you can and can't do and the differences in the way you see the world are just part of your character. They're not the most important things in your world kind of thing. And and those those who love you accept you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, exactly. You surround yeah. yourself with those people <laughs> and, and don't worry about the others because uh, well, what, one of my favourite um quotes i can't remember who gave it but i i don't accept criticism from anybody i wouldn't accept advice from um and i think that's a that's a good analogy to kind of work off that if i value your opinion i'll value your opinion on anything if i don't i won't <laughs> it doesn't matter what you about me so oh, I, and i need a very anti-authoritative because uh you know I mean, that's why i think the campaigning mm. has the benefits where i th i think sometimes a lot of people are restricted to what they can say to politicians or policy changes, or whatever. Yeah, because obviously they're worried about the, the careers and all that. Where I've been so like, no, this it's like black and white again. No, this has to change. So how am I going to make it change if it it's going to affect my workplace? Okay, I'll, I'll just get a job in Tesco's. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Or, or same reason, all other good um, marketplaces, I should say. Mm. Um, but like you said, you know, so I, I'm like very channel vision, you know, that's going to happen. And I think that's, that's benefit me with the campaigning work where, where we changed a lot of policies by the baby unit back home where they didn't, uh, government didn't want it open. First of all, in 10 years it took and, and we got yeah, the mother and baby unit back open. So again, you know, I'm very much um, black and white, really, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, I think it's been, it'd be great to have um, do another podcast sometime if you're up for it and look, and focus on the mental health side of things and stuff like that. And obviously, that's you know, I know that's a, a huge passion of yours and stuff. So it'd be nice to kind of get that included one time. So we'll we'll I'll bear that in mind if you'd be willing. It, to yeah, with me. like I said, I'm still in the ADHD one. Let's you know, you know, perinatal mental health has always been my. Um, my, you know, that since obviously what happened, but um, I'm learning more. I'm still learning ADHD uh, as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's some, it's something that um, I'm, I'm getting another passion, neurodiversity more now. Yeah. As well, which I never thought that, you know, a couple of years ago would have like, so. Yeah, yeah that's it. you got to diversify. Got to keep it interesting, yeah, yeah. Way. Otherwise... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you forget all about it. <laughs> it's gone an hour already. Yeah, it has. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been an gosh. hour. God, quick. Yeah, so, yeah, well done. That's that's time distortion for you, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> You're ticking all the boxes. I can die yeah, yeah, yeah. you in this one phone call. Uh, <laughs> one session, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mark. It's been it's been oh, really thank enjoyable you. chatting with you. Um, we're both fast talkers, so I think a lot of people watching this and speed and slowing down the rate of the video. You'd have to get subtitles on. You'd have to obviously. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it keep up, it. mate. It wouldn't keep not up. because I'm Welsh, but it's you know just uh, yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're rattled through that, but we but you're a really nice conversation to have with you, Mark. Really appreciate it. And uh, so, just a reminder: is there anything that you want to kind of plug, or you'd like to kind of direct people to, or anything? No, no. Um, like I said, we're struggling, guys. Uh, you know, obviously, Hub of Hope is a database. Uh, we post good ends local services in the area. You can find, and um, obviously, NHS helplines, uh, ADHD Foundation is is a is a really good organisation to look for as well for more resources and special support and even diagnosis etc as well so yeah brilliant okay thank you so much mark Excellent. We'll, we'll catch up again soon but thanks for your time and, and thanks for being on the podcast yeah thanks Annie. Right, thank you. Care, mate. cheers again